Commission meeting of Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continued use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this legal requirement, item 5A on this morning's agenda is the request to consider whether continued use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a manner that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and the staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv. The commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. And I would like to thank the staff at SFGovTV today. We're joined by Maria Pena and staff at just at our DOS uh, uh, department, Justin Chico, uh, for assisting us directly during this meeting. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on, we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. And before we have our, our secretary take uh, the role, I want to welcome our new commission secretary, Rabbi Derbish, who put in a tremendous amount of work to get us ready for this month uh, and did, did, did so at 100%. So we really appreciate everything you did to, to get us uh, ready today. And I'm sure the staff uh, agrees with me as well. Uh, so thank you and welcome Ravi. And could you please take the role? Thank you, President Knudsen. Uh, nice to meet everyone. Uh, commissioners, please respond, respond with present when I call your name. President Martha Newton. Present. Vice President Janet Spears. Present. Commissioner Sasha Binner. Sasha Binner. Commissioner Wander Jung. Jung. Commissioner Michelle Carrington. Michelle Carrington. Nope. Commissioner Nelson Lum. Present. Commissioner Barbara Barbara 
and DAS Executive DAS Director, Executive Kelly, Director German. Kelly German. I'm here. Thanks. Thanks. President Knudsen, we have a quorum. We have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, commissioners. The next item, next item, item, item is communications. communications. We'd like to provide like further to... instructions for the public comment public process. Comment process. Public comment will be available on each item during general public comment. Both channels 78 and SFGOPT are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed to speak. Comments or opportunities during public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call call. 1-415-655-0001 using access code 24881 pound and then pound again. When connected, you'll hear the discussions, discussions, but you will be muted and listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, Dial star, dial three star three to be added to, to the speaker line. Speaker line. Best practices Best are practices call from a quiet location, quiet location speak, clearly, speak clearly and slowly, and slowly turn down, and your, turn television down your television and radio. You will have three, minutes, have to three minutes to speak. You'll be informed You'll be by, informed the, moderator by the, moderator the moderator when you have 30, you have seconds, 30 left. seconds left. After 30 seconds, After 30 you seconds will be muted, muted and placed to listening mode. Alternatively, Public comment can be submitted by email to robbie.bish at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any other communications from the DAS commission members? Yes. We need everyone to mute because it's really hard to hear with the echo. So when you're not speaking, please mute. Okay, thank, thank you. Um, commissioners, your next item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, December 1st, 2021 DOS commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the December 1st, 2021 DOS, uh, DOS uh, minutes? Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit the request. Do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve December 1st, 2021 DOS Commission meeting minutes? I move. Okay, moved by Commissioner Bittner and seconded by Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll call vote to approve December 1st, 2021 DOS Commission meeting minutes? President Martha Newton, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Vice President Spears, I believe you're muted. He just had to reboot. 
Okay. Should I go through the others? Okay. Yes, yes please do. Commissioner Sashner Bidner, how do you vote? Yeah. Thank you. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? She's not here. Th uh, th thank you very much. We don't quite have the minutes passed until we hear back from um, Vice President Spears. Spears. Once she comes back in, we'll just uh, poll for her vote. So I'm going to move things along. I'm pretty sure that'll be all right. Um, Commissioner, your next item is agenda item five, approving the minutes of Wednesday, January 5th, 2022 DOS commission meetings. Are there any questions or comments from the commission regarding the January 5th, 2022 DOS commission meeting minutes? President Gleason? Yes. Um, just a really minor, um, there's a misspelling of Dr. Eleanor Lowry's name. Um, under the advisory council report. I know it's really minor, but she's such an important person. I just want to make sure I'm official at work that we have her name spelled correctly in the minutes. And I can Thank I can Thank email you. that and so you can correct that. Sorry, I missed that, Commissioner. Oh, I was I was just saying um there's only one minor comment and that's the misspelling of Dr. Eleanor Laurie's name in the minutes. Uh, I know it's minor, but she's such an important person. I want to make sure her name is reflect correctly in the minutes. Okay, uh, thank you so much, Commissioner Jung, for catching that. Uh, you're, uh, we'll move the minutes as with that amendment, as, as you've noted, to spell um, Eleanor Lurie's name correctly. Um, thank you for that. Um, I don't know if, oh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. I don't know if we've been uh, rejoined by Vice President Spears yet. But why don't we go ahead and uh, do the do the roll call and then we'll have her uh, indicate her approval when she rejoins. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we have a motion to approve the January 5th, 2022 uh, minutes? I move. From uh, Commissioner Bittner has moved and uh, it looks like Commissioner Lum is seconding. Thank you. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the January 5th, 2022 DOS Commission Minute meetings? President Martha Newton, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? She's still trying to join. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Michelle Carrington, how do you vote? Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Scar, how do you vote? Yeah. All Thank right. you. So are you hearing my vote? No, uh, Commissioner Sklar, we did not hear. Did you vote yes on the uh, previous 
minutes. I just I just got on. It wouldn't let me on until now. So I'm on now, and I just voted yes on this one. <laughs> okay, terrific. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. Right. I don't know what the problem was. Well, we can hear you loud and clear. And I could, if you had a chance to review the December minutes, would you could you also indicate your approval of those minutes? I approve. Yes. Okay, great. Then we can move on. Thank you. Thank you so much and welcome. Um, commissioners, your next item is agenda item 5A, a resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings of the DOS Commission. Um, on September 16, 2021, the governor signed AB 361, a bill that amends the Brown Act to allow local policy bodies to continue to meet by teleconferencing during a state of emergency providing that the policy bodies make certain findings at least once every 30 days. San Francisco continues to operate under Mayor Breed's emergency order of July 31st, 2020, which prohibits in-person public meetings other than Board of Supervisor meetings to ensure the safety of policy body members, city staff, and the public. The DOS Commission has met remotely during the COVID-19 pandemic in a manner that allows public participation and transparency while minimizing health risks that would be present with in-person meetings. Under the recently signed amendment to the Brown Act, if the DOS Commission will continue to meet remotely, we must find that there are still risks from meeting in person and that the DOS Commission resolves to teleconference in a manner that protects the participation rights of the public. Um, we we are joined today uh, by David Reese, our city attorney, uh, who's going to update us on uh, in-person meetings. And after that, we'll provide an opportunity for the commissions to make comments or ask questions. So welcome, Mr. Reese. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, I wanted to rejoin because I, I did join the last meeting in January um, and wanted to is discuss this uh, particular agenda item just to, you know, to revisit. Um, so one just, you know, have to acknowledge as we've experienced for the last two years, you know, just facts, circumstances keep changing. So it even feels different joining you this morning as it did um, last month. Um, but what I, uh, but I w just did want to speak to the, um, the intention and the, you know, the messaging uh, that all commissions and policy bodies throughout the city have received from the mayor's office to be prepared for a return to in-person meetings. Um, and the date that has been, you know, been put out there is uh, to be prepared that after February, after February 28th, to, uh, to be prepared to return to uh, in-person meetings um, if and or when the local emergency declaration um, is lifted. And so I just wanted to you know, try and be clear as, as um, Commissioner you Knudsen know, was just saying in, in uh, reading out about the resolution that's before the commission, there's both a state um, you know, emergency declared by the governor right now and then there's the local emergency declaration from Mayor Breed. And both of those, um, you know, operate to permit remote meetings um, by commissions under the state's Brown Act, and then um, as well as under uh, local San Francisco law. 
So both of those, the state and the local, are both contingent on those emergency declarations <clears throat> by the governor and by the mayor. And um, and so the you know the option that's before you right now to continue to resolve um, resolving you know pass resolutions that it's uh, that the body deems it um, you know, safe to meet remotely as opposed to in person. Um, that option under the Brown Act goes away when the governor um, lifts the emergency declaration for the state. And then at the local level under San Francisco, so our local law is goes further than the Brown Act. And so it's actually the city's charter um, that is the default on this and is very strict about policy bodies, commissions, meeting in person. Um, and so even for individual commissioners, there's a very, very limited um, exception. Uh, you pretty much have to be bed bound. Um, uh, it's even more specifically for your bed bound after uh, delivering a, a baby. So that is, you know, a charter amendment that's, uh, that, that's what the city has. Um, and so that is the default. So the, what has been, you know, message from the mayor's office is the uh, I'll say two things. So one is the vaccination requirement, um, you know, that's been enforced uh, uh, by this point for all commissioners or anyone, you know, who would be required to meet in person once the emergency declaration is lifted. And then second is a, what we can call like a hybrid, you know, kind of accommodation, which is the model that the Board of Supervisors has been following, where the Board of Supervisors has been meeting in person in City Hall um, for well over a year now. And it's, but it's the presence at City Hall at those meetings is limited to the Board of Supervisors and the clerk and the colleague from my office who advises, you know, the body, but it's, it's but no public uh, participation is allowed in person so that the public um, you know only has the ability to uh, to participate remotely so that's the expectation um, again for now the expectation is you know after February 28th um, that, that that is how commission meetings will be conducted would be again you know members of the body itself um, and the you know very necessary uh, supporting staff would be in person and then public participation would be um, only offered remotely. So that's what I wanted to convey. If um, I guess I did also want to, you know, offer, I don't, this wouldn't be fit for a public discussion in this meeting, but I did want to offer if, if there's any individual concerns that any of the commissioners have individually, um, please, uh, you know, I welcome outreach um, directly or to the secretary um, to, to take up any of those, but let's not, you know, Discuss those as a group. Um, I had a question about City Hall. We used to be required to wear a mask. I'm sorry, Commissioner. I have someone speaking behind me. Did you repeat it? Yeah. Yeah, it was the same question I had uh, as Commissioner Bittner. Will we be required to wear a mask? Uh, yes, um, yes, and that's 
that's Dan's words. Uh, yes, the expectations. Everyone's everyone in the room is vaccinated, and everyone uh, for uh, for meeting indoors is masked. I gave that the good thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, Commissioner Lum. Uh, Mr. Reese, according to what I've read in the newspaper, uh, since I have not received anything official from the city, that as of February 1st, the policies has, has changed. Uh, we, uh, for instance, uh, you know, indoor requirement uh, is, is uh, uh, if any, uh, any gathering of less than 100 people, as long as there's proof of vaccination, uh, you know, a mask is not even required. So uh, are you saying that the commission can meet, but not public participation? Uh, I mean, from based on you know, what, what, uh, what has taken place in the past, I, never, I don't recall having more than 100 people participating in, in any of the meetings. Uh, no, that's correct, Commissioner Lam. So the and and that is particular. That's you know discretionary. So the you know a, a conduct. Um, I mean, meaning so with, with the updates to the local health officer orders, it's it, it was very recently you know put back in place for an office that's verifying vaccination for um, uh, for gyms now if uh, if they're you know confirming vaccination um, that. Uh, that the health officer does not, you know, require masking, um, and then the kind of defer the way the board of supervisors has been proceeding, where there's some flexibility if they want to, you know, if someone's speaking at length and uh, wants to, you know, temporarily remove their mask to um, for the sake of everyone hearing them, you know, that's how they're conducting meetings, um, but that. Uh, otherwise, you know, the norm for the meeting is uh, is for those indoor meetings to 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 remain masked. Okay. Any other questions from commissioners on this item? And then, will commissioners uh, be receiving um, a sort of memo from the city attorney's office before we go into? this initial meeting or any advice uh, just because we all know how things change weekly. So this, this, what you're saying today is, is we get the picture of what, what we, we might, might be doing in March, but will there be sort of a, something we could look for right before the meeting to direct us about all the rules to follow if we are going into in-person? Will there be directives from the city attorney's office on that? Uh, there will be. I can't guarantee that it'll be from my office versus the mayor's office, but okay. there will, you know, there will certainly be direction. And, and you know, that was what happened on kind of you know, the way into this was the emergency was declared, and you know, yeah. guidance went out on you know what this now means um, for for public uh, for policy bodies, and um, yes, certainly expect the same um, before. For next meeting, if that's the person, person or or thereafter. Okay, all right. And then um, I'm imagining commissioners that we would work with the staff uh, since this is still would be a hybrid meeting, is from what I'm understanding from our city attorney. Um, just what to expect in terms of how we'll get through that. It still won't be the kind of 
commission meeting we would have had in uh, 2019, for example, we'd still be making sure the technology was working so that we could uh, ensure the participation of the public, right? So it'll still be a little different. President <laughs> um, Knudsen, can I ask a question? Please, uh, Director Dearman, yes. Um, um, so am I to understand that the only people who will be in the room are the commissioners and those necessary for the meeting? So does that so we'll be excluding the public. So is the assumption there, or I don't, you know, we shouldn't make assumptions that um, everyone who's in the room will be vaccinated, or we won't know. So uh, yes, everyone in the room would be because um, some of the commissioners or uh, staff. So everyone would be subject to the same vaccination requirement that is citywide. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Great, unless, are there any other questions from commissioners? This is an important moment, so I wanna make sure. And again, I, I'd imagine we'll be updated right before the meeting, but this is as of now. So um, then um, I think I'm, I need to ask for a public comment. Uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item before we move the motion to remain teleconference today? If you could do that. Um, Moderator, yeah. please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, then hearing no further request to speak on the item, is there a motion to adopt a resolution finding that city officials continue to recommend social distancing and that the DOS Commission will continue to meet by teleconferencing with opportunities for public participation? We have a motion. I move. I move. Okay, a motion from Commissioner Bittner, I think a second from Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the resolution making findings to allow teleconference meetings? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Lasclar, how do you vote? Yes. Great, thank, thank you so much. Um, then Commissioner item six is the executive director's report. Uh, welcome executive director Kelly Dearman. Thank you so much. Um, hello everyone and um, happy Lunar New Year to all who celebrate. I just have a few things to report. Um, first of all, as most of you know, due to the mayor's um, emergency order, um, we the um, Tenderloin Linkages Center was opened a few weeks ago, and we're happy to report that our, our IHSS program director, Krista Gaeta, has been temporarily deployed there to oversee the Linkages Center. Um, DOS is committed to assisting the mayor's office, the Department of Emergency Management, and DPH with their response to the emergency situation in the Tenderloin. Krista is a very talented and 
uh, person and we know that you will be able to get the linkages center up and running and operating in a highly effective manner. We expect that she will be there for a couple of months and then return back to her role. Um, in addition to sharing one of our amazing directors, we also provided information on IHSS as well as community services and meals in the Tenderloin and Soma areas, um, especially ones that serve specific populations, such as your um, LGBTQ+, blind, um, those who have disabilities and or are um, intellectually or have intellectual disabilities, in addition to older adults and people with disabilities. Okay. In terms of COVID test kits, we have been able to obtain a limited supply of COVID test kits that we're distributing to our employees who go into high-risk settings such as shelters, long-term care facilities, and hospitals. Additionally, we have been able to distribute some test kits to some of our community partners, including home-delivered meal programs and the IHSS Public Authority. Uh, the Department of Human Resources asked us to expand telecommuting options for DOS staff who are able to work remotely in December. We just talked about this. So in response to the um, Omicron surge. So at this time, we're anticipating that this arrangement will end mid-February, February 14th to be exact, unless we receive further guidance from DHR. Um, so we anticipate that starting February 14th, employees will be coming back to work um, uh, two days per week. So um, let's see, back in the summer, uh, DAS applied for a city and county civic innovations project grant that recruits private sector volunteers to help city staff tackle civic challenges over a 16 week period. The project started in September and just wrapped up in January. Our particular focus was on developing a more coordinated strategy to conduct outreach and engage community members in a relevant and intentional way. The work from this project will help as we develop our outreach plan. The team is still synthesizing all of the information, but more information to come um, probably next month. Um, also wanted to report that as you know, um, DOS intake serves as San Francisco's Age and Disability Resource Connector with San Francisco Independent Living Resource Center and Institute on Aging serving as key partners and all of the Age and Disability Resource Center's extended partners. Um, and as you know, Kate Shagoen, um, she left, uh, I guess that's been a couple months now. And when she was here, she served on the ADRC Statewide Advisory Committee. With Kate gone, um, they have asked our own Cindy Kaufman to serve on that committee. So congratulations to Cindy. Um, finally, the, this past month marked the one year anniversary for the Master Plan for Aging. There has been an incredible amount of work accomplished on the plan. Um, the California Department of Aging has published a report highlighting many of those accomplishments. As you may recall, uh, there are over 130 initiatives included in the plan to be implemented during the first two years of the 10-year plan. The CDA report touches on these initiatives along with budget and legislative highlights, working updates, local leader partnerships, and next steps. And um, I will make sure that our commission secretary will send you all the links so that you can all take a look at it for yourselves. 
that's all I have to report right now. We'll be talking about the budget. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you so much, uh, Executive Director Dearman. Are there any questions from the commissioners about the report? Uh, Commissioner Lum? Uh, Director Dearman, good morning. Good morning. Uh, in your report, you mentioned that there's a, uh, a distribution of uh, COVID uh, test kits for, uh, for for those members of staff who are uh, who are working in the uh, uh, tendering and obviously uh, ha has more uh, likelihood of being exposed. Um, how often are the staff being tested? So that's a really good question. I wonder if um, Cindy or Jill know the answer to that. I just know we have a limited number of test kits. I think people are being tested when um, there is a likelihood or some concern of exposure, but it is not like an everyday testing or a once a week testing. Um, it's like Jill Nielsen. Yeah, on that. Uh, uh, as an example, uh, the employees at UCSF are tested twice a week. Uh, testing, you know, just just one time really wouldn't do much good because uh, you know if if they are constantly exposed uh, uh, to potential COVID nineteen positive uh, individuals, uh, we really need to do something to protect them and make sure that they are tested on, on you know um, more frequently. So in, in the event there's any kind of exposure that you know they would be caught and 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 dealt with. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm gonna let Jill jump in, but I just want to say we all recognize that testing is gonna be one way that we can control this. We also know that um this last month we were we have been dealing with a limited supply of tests and so trying to distribute them in a way um that made the most sense. But I absolutely agree with you that people need to get tested on a regular basis. Um, we just have to make sure we have the supplies to make that um, a viable option. And Jill, did you want to add something? Yeah, thanks so much, um, Executive Director Dearman and um, Commissioner Lum. Thank you for your question. I mean, we are definitely um, always concerned about the safety of our staff. And I just wanted to clarify that um, high, staff who are going into high-risk settings have received um, a limited number of COVID tests and um, high-risk settings uh, expands beyond, you know, just the tenderloin. It it actually um, refers to congregate shelters, um, long-term care settings such as, uh, you know, skilled nursing facilities, hospitals, um, and you know, our staff um, who are out in the field every single day do one of those daily health symptom screeners. And so, um, you know, many of us have been doing those for, for years now, um, and it can become, you know, um, rote, but, but really what the, the screener does is prompts them to say, do I have any symptoms? Um, and so that would, you know, really motivate them to either stay home, not go out into the field, um, and also to seek testing. So um, we've had throughout um, the pandemic, some resources for our staff to access um, PCR testing. Um, this is really the first time that we've been able to distribute the, um, the rapid antigen tests. Um, and we are um, encouraging them to test um, if they have had an exposure situation 
they also are doing screening with the clients that they're seeing. So they're asking the, the clients that they're working with if, if there's any possible COVID risk. So those are some of the mitigation efforts that we've been taking. Thank you. Any other questions from commissioners for exec the executive director? And I, I think we can move on to uh, item seven if uh, Mr. Secretary wants to call that for the employee recognition. Commissioners, item seven is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knutson, and DOS Commission will honor Jesus Diaz, who's a medical social worker with the integrated intake unit in the DOS Benefits and Resource Hub. Well, congratulations, um, Jesus. Um, I'm really happy to be able to honor you today. Um, as we said, uh, Jesus is a very consistent and diligent worker. He's very committed to the integrated intake unit and is often able to offer solution-focused insight to any program discussion. He's very professional and respectful to all clients, community members, and coworkers. He's a very skilled social worker due to his depth of resource knowledge, whole person approach, and risk assessment skill set. He makes himself available to callers on the intake hotline and dedicates a lot of time to the caller. He's also very present and available in his face-to-face -face interactions with walking clients at the DOS Hub. Over the course of this difficult year, Jesus volunteered for service as the logistics coordinator for the COVID VAX distribution system. His duties included looking at the systems to support the redistribution of the COVID vaccination, helping streamline data into the COVID vaccination spreadsheet, communicating and monitoring the day-to-day -day allocation of the COVID vaccination at three different community sites. Following that work, Jesus participated in a DOS BIPOC focus group in July 2021 in order to address racial equity successes and shortcomings. He is a role model for the integrated intake unit and takes much interest and commitment in training and supporting new employees, which over the course of COVID this last year, two years really, required much creativity and innovation to get the job done. In addition to his direct support of our clients, Jesus also offers indirect support in translating many of our documents to ensure they are accessible to the community. He is a team player, and is always willing to help out in any circumstance. Congratulations and thank you for all your work, Jesus. Yeah. And let me just jump in here really quickly. Um, Jesus, I feel like we've met another hero of this, <laughs> of this wonderful staff. I, I couldn't believe I, just listening to all this, all that you do. So thank you. I know that the commission has a particular interest in the hub because that's a, some, where we can anyone in San Francisco can access that and realizing what happens at that hub, uh, just with this explanation of what you do is, is very helpful today. So congratulations. And if you wanted to say a few words, please go ahead. And just make sure you unmute. Not 
Jesus said he can't get unmuted for some reason. Oh. Oh, there he goes. There There we go. There we go. Am I unmuted? You are. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Kelly, for the very kind words. Much appreciated. And thank you to the members of the commission for recognizing the DOS employees of the month, not only at your meetings, but on this platform. So thank you guys very much for that. You know, I'd like to start off by saying that I am incredibly honored and deeply humbled by being named the February 2022 DOS Employee of the Month. And, you know, I want everybody to know that I do not work in a vacuum, that I am a part of an incredible team of talented and tireless social workers, supervisors, and admin staff at DOS Integrated Intake. And the work that I do for the community would not be possible without the collaboration of our other fellow DOS programs like Adult Protective Services, In-Home Supportive Services, County Veterans Service Office, and our very special IHSS Medi-Cal unit, just to name a few. I'd like to give a special thanks to my supervisor, Dana Levitt, and to our intake manager, Kelly Bryant, for their input and their, their input and their support over the past eight years. It's been incredible. And on a final note, I want everybody to know that this is a huge deal for me. And it's not one that I take lightly or I take for granted ever. And I will say my deepest and, you know, greatest thanks and appreciation for my parents, Maria Diaz, and my father, Jesus Diaz. May he rest in power. And I will part with these few words. Be well, be safe, be DOS. All right. Thank you so much. That was great. Um, Then thank you, Jesus. This is, I think we just, you just made our meeting. So (laughs) thank you very much. Um, If we could, we should move along to our advisory council report. So um, Mr. Secretary, if you want to call that item, but thank you again, Mr. Diaz. Commissioners, item eight is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. Good morning, um, commissioners, executive director Dearman. That's always uh, that's always a hard act to follow the employee of the month. <laughs> but it's also edifying and it, uh, <clears throat> I always talk about the staff when I'm talking to city residents as they may complain. Um, So the advisory council held our first meeting of 2022 on January 19th. Uh, We kicked off the year talking about the area plan on aging. So we, um, Aditi Villari and Michael Zog, it's an update and I've outlined in my report all of the key dates. Um, So we will at our next meeting, the meeting in two weeks, we'll get the draft of the report and begin the process of approving um, the report for the uh, next fiscal year. Um, Valerie Coleman was a guest speaker this month and she spoke to us on the agent agent disability friendly San Francisco, the plan from 2018 to 2021, um, reminding us that this was a World Health Organization uh, initiative in uh, initiative initiative that was begun in 2007 on global age-friendly cities. Um, She reviewed with us the the process 
of doing a baseline assessment, an action plan, implementation, evaluation, and then repeating the process. So they're in the beginning of repeating the process and moving forward. Um, and I've outlined again, their target populations here were seniors, persons with disabilities, persons with cognitive impairment, and caregivers. And they focused in on about 24, um, identified 24 domains, including things like community support and health services, engagement and inclusion, commu uh, communication, information and technology, employment and economic security, housing, transportation, outdoor spaces and buildings, and resiliency and emergency preparedness. Um, they completed things like increased crosswalk timing. I think we've all experienced uh, the advantage of increased timing. Um, they're continuing to work on disaster evacuation strategy for multi-story buildings. Um, they did an ableism, completed an ableism pilot training for healthcare uh, professionals. They completed the citywide ageism um, marketing campaign, which we're all familiar with. Um, held a dignity equity conference and did a lot of work on census 2020 engagement and uh, outreach. They're still continuing, as I mentioned, disaster evacuation, age and disability friendly businesses, the online resource tool, continuing digital equity and access and the disability uh, cultural center. Um, there was no dignity fund update report this month. We'll definitely have one in February. Uh, there was a meeting held <clears throat> on January 25th um, for the LGBTQ community uh, with a number of their partners focusing on dementia care, a pilot program on caregiving and dementia, and then the trainings that were held in 2021, they're following up um, in 2022. We had another site visit report, so we're making progress. Um, this time was a visual, uh, virtual report on Onlock. Again, we um, uncovered things that we might not see if we were just on site. Um, the website was accessible, was updated, included all the meal sites, included all of the services offered. The phone numbers were prominent everywhere. No names were listed. The thought there was probably names changed in those positions frequently. So. Um, and the uh, Tia Small, who did this one, she actually called all the numbers and they worked. Um, mental health is given on Zoom. Navigation was, um, was excellent. Um, some uh, concerns over the inability to change the font and there wasn't an audio option. Uh, information was only given in English. And so she'll be following up on those um, items when she speaks with someone, uh, when she speaks to the webmaster. She also participated in one of the always access, always active classes that are um, given uh, via, uh, by Onlock and followed up via phone calls after the class. And she said she'd encourage her um, clients to use the site. We reviewed with the council the um, site visit procedure, the packet, we also spoke about putting more information about the site visits um, on the advisory council portion of the DOS website. So people um, know that we do them and what they're about and why. 
And then we continue to work on membership. Are there any questions? I don't hear. Uh, yeah, I was, I was on mute, so we wouldn't echo. Sorry. <laughs> Are there any questions from commissioners uh, from Ms. Lawrence? And I, I was just going to note, thank you so much for all the information you gave us on the site visits. Um, it, it is such an integral part of what the advisory committee does, but in addition to everything else that it does. Uh, so it was great to get the form uh, that you use and to get a much more, a few more dimensions about what it is that, that happens in the site visit and the comprehensiveness of it. So, uh, and then again, sort of an interesting aspect to uh, having to do it uh, uh, is checking out the uh, online resource and making sure that that works is so critical nowadays and, and in the future. So thank you for uh, going through that. That was interesting. So anything else from other commissioners? Before we move into calling for the joint legislative report, I don't think so. Go ahead, uh, if we could, Mr. Uh, Secretary, call, call that item. Commissioners, item nine is the joint legislative report, also presented by the Advisory Council President, Diane Lawrence. Uh, good morning again. We're in a um, transition period, if you will, on the joint ledge. The legislature has been meeting, but um, things haven't really been finalized. So rather than give you the whole list of um, bills from last year, I chose to just focus on a couple that we that are on our radar. We don't know because we don't know the ones that are carryovers from last year where they're going to go. We'll know more um, after our <clears throat> February meeting. So. Um, the legislature, the legislators had until January 31st to pass any bills um, that were still pending from last year. And if they didn't get, they were introduced in um, 2021, and then they have until February 18th for new bills to be introduced. So while we'll know more at our February meeting, it really won't be until March that everything will kind of be finalized or stabilized for the year. Uh, we discussed the process for submitting letters of support, and we discussed that also at the advisory council. Uh, we reviewed the city process and realized that's, um, and then encouraged members if on a personal level that they can always support, send letters of support to their legislators. Um, the CSL, um, we went over the um, governor's budget, especially on home-based care uh, with the um, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, and that there's money uh, there for adult protective services. There's a lot of money in this, uh, in the um, governor's budget, um, especially to fund the um, master plan initiatives, which is, which is good. So not only do we have the plan, we have the money to go with it. The uh, senior legislature, California senior legislature, um, reported on bills that are on their radar, and those are the ones that I've noticed, uh, that I put here. Um, we're going to continue, as I said, to look at the other bills. Um, one of the bills that's on this list 
was for universal health care. It was AB 1400, and that bill uh, was pulled because there wasn't sufficient support uh, by the members of the legislature to pass it. So we're looking again at health facilities and pandemics, um, masking personal information with Social Security, again, asking for an increase in the personal needs allowance. Um, the offer of personal needs allowance has always been has been $35 a month. Um, and that has been uh, that way for well over 20, 25 years. It is um, the goal was to raise it to 80 on compromise. They dropped it to 50, hoping that maybe this year it will be um, passed. Um, again, bills on telehealth coming out of the pandemic. Um, looking at um, skilled nursing facilities and immediate care and um, information to prospective residents on processes and, and what's available to them uh, and to make sure that they know that they have access to uh, an ombudsman and um, more work along those ways that way. And then also um, communications um, continuing to fund <clears throat> communications uh, moving forward. And I think that those are the key ones on the radar right now, along with bills on Alzheimer's. Um, there is one that very definitely is on our radar uh, with Dr. Marcy Edelman on the council and on the California commission and working very prominently in the Alzheimer's space. Mm -hmm. That's definitely one that, that is on our radar and we'll keep you posted. Great. Um, thank you so much, Ms. Lawrence. Um, and are there any comments or questions from commissioners on that? I have a question. Yeah, please, uh, Commissioner Sklar. Yeah, um, I'm reading about programs in other states called hospital at home or home hospital. And okay. they're, they're putting in um, hospital care so people can leave the hospitals earlier. Obviously, COVID gave them the idea but it seems to be working well for elderly to get them out of the hospital so they don't get other diseases. And I was wondering if there's any legislation attached to Medi-Cal or anything else that would, it seems it would be a wonderful service and as well as the money and life saving. Um, let me look at um, the home-based care through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. Mm -hmm. I think that is where some of that money comes from. I see. So let me do a little more research and I will report in, okay. uh, in March. That's all right. I appreciate it. Thank you. No okay. problem. Okay. Any other questions from commissioners? And hearing none, thanks again, uh, Ms. Lawrence, for your always very comprehensive reports and keeping us up to date on everything. So thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you call the next item for our case report? Commissioners, item 10 is the case report presented by Daniel Gallagher. I think you need to unmute Mr. Gallagher. Yeah. Sorry about that. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. Um, I'm providing the case report for activities in the last month and, and the upcoming month. The case study writing project is nearly complete. I know I keep saying that. 
Um, but I, uh, at, at this point, all the editing is complete. Our, our printing of, of both the uh, print and PDF layouts is complete. And uh, we are finalizing our distribution plan. Um, and and um, obviously the first piece of that is uh, the distribution to um, San Francisco uh, government officials. And those would go out to Mayor Breed, to the Board of Supervisors, um, to Kelly German and DOS staff, the DOS Advisory Council and the DOS Commission. Um, and so you, hopefully uh, we can get those um, dis distributed within the next couple of weeks. That's our goal. Case programming for February, as I mentioned in our last meeting on February 14th, uh, Dr. Schofield will be reporting on the topic of how old rules no longer hold true for, um, for um, aging adults. And um, so that should be an interesting topic as our older population um, continues to be more active and, um, and how we age isn't really as linear as it has been in the past. March 14th, the service provider working group is meeting with the uh, research development associates. And then on March 21st, um, the service provider working group will be reporting out to the OAC, um, as well as I believe the research development associates is also reporting out to the OAC in that meeting. I've listed here in item three, the, um, the case budget uh, proposal, what case is supporting uh, in the fiscal year 23 San Francisco budget. Uh, we are supporting $20,000 for caregiver support. And you'll see those uh, that amount broken into individual counseling of $5,000 and up to $15,000 in support groups. And then, uh, and then Case is also supporting a budget request for hybrid programming capabilities. Um, and I think uh, we've all now understand the benefit of hybrid programming as we move through the pandemic and hopefully beyond. Um, uh, but that would consist of installation of a system that will allow for both uh, in-person and online presence and multiple senior centers. That online system uh, would cost approximately $75,000. Uh, tablets and trainers, we would ask that 200 tablets be added to the current programs offering devices and training throughout San Francisco. And the cost of that would be $50,000 and increasing using desk. Add multiple trainers uh, to reach the nearly 25% of San Francisco older adults and disabled population of approximately 25,000 people and have bilingual tra trainers um, 
for that diverse population would cost an additional $150,000 annually. And then lastly, the technical support services, uh, which is really the, the, the most labor intensive service uh, for those of us that provide uh, these uh, hybrid services right now and the online services, uh, th this would increase the tech support options for older adults, the training programs um, for those who don't have the bandwidth um, to offer tech and internet related support once participants have completed their training and, um, and then create internet connectivity of course, those support services. And then lastly, the bilingual support team um, would be imperative to ensure that uh, there are effective resolutions uh, in multiple languages. So the cost of the that is $250,000 or a, a total annual cost of $525,000. Item four on our agenda, uh, just again, reporting out on the activities of the service provider working group, as I mentioned, uh, the meeting with RDA on March 14th, and then um, reporting to the Dignity Fund Coalition Oversight and Advisory Committee on the 21st. And then lastly, I would just like to mention that CASE has two new board members, Stefan Miner, um, uh, the Community Tech Network has joined us in the last uh, month. Um, and then just recently, Aurora Alvarado of the Mission Neighborhood Centers uh, Incorporated has, uh, has joined the case board of directors. And that concludes my report. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Mr. Gallagher. Do we have any questions or comments from commissioners? I'd like to note, I think, what sounds like the uh, excellent description of a new era for us, which is hybrid meetings. And thank you for um, explaining us in the detail we need to understand the kind of resources that we're going to need in our senior centers uh, to make that happen. So um, thank you very much for that. And I think we're all going to be learning our, our, our new, new favorite word, hybrid. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Anything else from commissioners on for Mr. Gallagher, then th thank you very, very much for all the work that everyone's doing. Thank you. Um, then uh, uh, if we could, Mr. Secretary, if we could call for public comment, uh, item 11. Commissioners, item 11 is public comment, an opportunity for members for the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Moderator, please open the phone line for the public. We will allow for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. That concludes the members of the public. Should I go on to the? Uh... Uh, please, please go ahead. Okay, item 12, old business. Commissioners, your next item is item 12, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. 
commissioners. The next, seeing none, I'll hand it over to President Knudsen to call the next item. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Commissioners, the next item 12 is approval of the consent agenda. This item constitutes a consent agenda and is considered to be routine by the Disability and Aging Services Commission and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of this item unless a member of the commission or the public so requests in which event the matter will be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. And that item is the additional funding is for the provision of 840 more meals in fiscal year 21-22, additional supplies and a cost of cost of doing business, CODB increase for a total amount of $7,987. So I think hearing, hearing no uh, from commissioners, we were approving that consent item. Um, Commissioners, the next agenda item is item 13, new business. Items 13A through 13G are action items that require a vote by the commission. Um, and I'd like to uh, uh, bring up item A, review and approval of fiscal year 22-23 and fiscal year 23-24 DOS budgets. This will be presented by Dan Kaplan, the Deputy Director of Finance Administration and Executive Director Kelly Dearman. So I'd like to welcome them. And commissioners, just to note, you have received a copy of, of fiscal year 22-23 and fiscal year 23-24 DOS budget in your commission packets. We also had it in our packets and a full discussion at a February meeting pursuant to uh, our obligations. So I'd like to just uh, call on um, uh, our executive director and um, Mr. Ka uh, Kaplan. Thank you, President Knudsen, and thank you, uh, commissioners. This is the second of two budget presentations that we'll do this year. In the last one, we reviewed the current year's budget. We reported that the city has a small surplus going into the next year. That's an estimated surplus. Um, and we reviewed the mayor's budget instructions. This time we're gonna describe for you what we recommend proposing to the mayor for the DOS budget. And we will ask your approval for that. Um, at this point, I'd just like to mention that the creation of budgets is a task that involves many people. Uh, certainly in DOS, it involves many managers uh, making proposals, helping to analyze concepts. Um, and it also involves a, a small budget team, and I'd like to acknowledge their work today. Uh, our budget director, Emily Gibbs, our principal analyst for DOS, Alex Gleason, and our senior analyst, uh, Genevieve Herreria. Um, so if we can go to the next slide, I'll walk you through uh, an overview of the budget that we are asking to propose. First of all, um, as I said before, there is a small budget surplus. As I think I mentioned last time we talked, uh, the budget surplus is due to certain taxes coming in better than anticipated. It's due to strong stock market uh, gains um, in uh, the first, uh, in the most recent years, which reduce retirement costs. Um, and it is due to having uh, large infusions of one-time money. 
um, the state budget is strong this year, also with a with a considerable surplus. Uh, this means for us increases in the uh, 1991 and 2011 realignment uh, revenues. I'll come back to that in a minute, but in the DAS budget that adds nine and a half million dollars. Um, it involves uh, funding for age expansion in the APS program and uh, and that's to um, to expand the focus of the program to younger adults and uh, and adults who are experiencing homelessness. It also includes money for an extension and augmentation of the uh, home safe pilot program. Uh, this is a program that's focused on uh, on has been focused on preventing homelessness, and as the extension goes forward, it will move into the area of of working with clients who are homeless, and it will also uh, add the ability to pay for assisted living placement for some of these clients. Um, there is uh, stable money for CalFresh and Medi-Cal and CalWORKs allocations and it's stable at a fairly high level. Um, we have been seeing increases in caseloads in the CalFresh budget, in the Medi-Cal budget, and in the IHSS administration budget. And, uh, and that is part of keeping the allocations relatively high. It's also will lead to some um, proposals that uh, the director Dierman and I will talk about as we go forward. Also to note, um, there was money that came into the current year's budget late in the budget process. Um, it affects both uh, DAS programs and uh, Department of Human Services programs. In DAS, the primary impact is around the expansion of the APS program and the expansion of the Home Safe program. And we have, uh, or the mayor has just yesterday introduced a supplemental budget request to the board uh, for the HSA budget uh, that takes into account those new monies as well as new monies that run through the Department of Human Services. And so that supplemental is asking for uh, an additional $950,000 in, uh, in the APS expansion and an additional $653,000 in the HomeSafe program that's in the current year and then as we move into the next fiscal year, the fiscal year for which we're discussing the budget today, uh, that money will get annualized and expanded still further. Uh, may we go to the next slide? So we always look at our budget in three different ways. Uh, we look at the uh, budget broken out by programs. We look at it in terms of the sources of funding, and we look at it in terms of the kinds of expenses we incur. And I'll talk about each of those things over the next uh, three slides. What I'd like to start off with here is if you compare the current year budget of $455 million to the proposed budget of $452 million, that looks like a decrease in the DAS budget. And that is uh, really um, misleading. So you can also notice that on the uh, left side pie, down near the bottom, a little bit to the left, 
there is a slice in green that is called COVID food coordination, $43 million. And if you look on the right side, you'll see that that slide, that uh, slice of the pie doesn't exist. And that explains the big drop. It's offset by increases in other areas. So if we take that out, it, it is actually a budget that increases in a number of important areas. And I'll go into that in a moment. The COVID food coordination budget was one-time money um, put in uh, by the mayor in the current fiscal year. And it really allowed us to continue uh, the COVID feeding operations that, uh, that started in the uh, emergency response to COVID. Uh, and it provides a lot of community feeding support. It, it reaches a population different from DAS's traditional population, but certainly is an important feeding program. Uh, we are in the process of discussing with the mayor's office what continuation of that will look like uh, in the next fiscal year, but it does not appear in this proposal. That's part of a, uh, a separate discussion we're having. I should also note that uh, as we build this budget and as we present it to you, we include items that A, support um, core programs that we run uh, that, that are state federal kinds of programs or that are based on local law. Uh, we include additional monies for those and we, uh, we fund them more or less internally given revenues that we have within the agency. There are other items like the COVID food coordination, which are funded with local monies and that are more discretionary at the local level. And we don't put them into this proposal, although we do discuss them separately with the mayor's office. Um, so as we look at changes in this budget, uh, you'll notice a fairly substantial increase in IHSS programs. This is an increase in the IHSS MOE, which I will come back in health and dental uh, payments for IHSS workers in contract mode uh, expenses, and also in, in city staff, uh, which we need to keep up with the growth in the IHSS uh, caseload. And Kelly Dierman will talk a little bit more about that in the second half of this presentation. Um, you'll also notice that the adult protective services budget increases relatively substantially, about half again as big as in the current year. Um, and this includes the, um, the additional money for the APS expansion uh, to younger individuals and homeless individuals that I mentioned before, as well as the additional money for the home safe program. You'll notice that the benefit and resources hub budget more or less doubles. Uh, this is uh, more or less a, an artifact of budget cleanup. Um, there are 36 individuals who, uh, who work at the hub on eligibility programs. They do uh, Medi-Cal and CalFresh eligibility. Those folks have been budgeted in the Department of uh, Human Services, um, uh, San Francisco Benefits Net or CalFresh and Medi-Cal program up to this point. But they work under DAS leadership and they work at the hub. And in this budget, we are just transferring them into the DAS budget. 
So it's not really a difference in service, it's just a cleanup of where the people are reflected in the budget. And then you'll notice in the Office of Community Partnerships, there is a small increase. And I think this again is, is a little bit misleading. Um, there are a lot of puts and takes in this budget. The Dignity Fund budget is in here and it goes up $3 million. There is uh, CODB catch-up money. CODB is cost of doing business. It's the inflation factor we use for CBO programs. There's catch-up money for two years uh, in, in this uh, slice. Now, this does not include the CODB budget for the budget year, 22-23, uh, because the mayor's office hasn't settled on what that amount is yet. But that, that's a discussion that's going on also sort of outside of our proposal, and there'll be a standard CODB amount that goes to all city agencies. Um, and then it also reflects uh, the loss of some one-time dollars. May we go to the next slide? Thank you. So on this budget, we have the revenue sources and also, you'll note there are some changes. So starting at the top of the chart, you'll notice that 1991 realignment goes up, as does 2011 realignment. Uh, realignment uh, revenues are revenues that come from the state sales tax and vehicle licensing fees. They come to uh, a mix of different types of agencies, but certainly social services agencies are a significant recipient. And we have realignment revenues uh, that support the IHSS program and support the APS program. And so in DOS, 1991 realignment revenue supports the IHSS program and 2011 realignment revenue supports the APS. And, and we use these dollars uh, more or less in lieu of general funds. Um, you'll notice in the Dignity Fund, there is a $3 million increase. That's the statutory increase that happens every year unless there is a, a shortfall of over $200 million in the city's uh, projected budget. There is a surplus this year, so certainly there's no issue about the uh, $3 million being added. Uh, in the general fund, uh, there are also a lot of puts and takes, but you can see the general fund amount drops. And this reflects the fact that almost all of the COVID feeding budget was reflect was supported by the general fund. There was a little bit of FEMA revenue in there as well, but most of it was in the general fund. So, so there's a big drop from that and there's increases from uh, several other areas. Um, in work order recovery, there is a small decrease that has to do with the fact that um, there is a case management uh, program that is shared by the Department of Public Health and DAS. It's paid for in DAS and the Department of Public Health pays money to DAS to support that program. Department of Public Health is reducing its use of the program so uh, there's both a reduced, reduction of our expenses and the reduction of our revenues. Um, and then when we look at the federal slice of the pie, you can see there's a fairly significant increase, about $7.5 million. 
that's due to growth of the federal share for primarily IHSS and APS costs. And then in the state uh, revenue, you can see there is an increase of uh, roughly $9 million. That is also due to increased state allocations and, and state revenue from IHSS as well as APS, uh, the, the two items I've mentioned already with APS. May we go to the next slide? Okay, and so the final pie chart of the pie charts tracks where we spend our money, what are the kinds of expenditures we make. And as you see, again, there's in aid payments, a substantial increase. This speaks to the increases in IHSS that I've mentioned already, especially with regard to the IHSS MOE and the health and dental costs. Um, if you look at the CBO grant amounts, what you'll see is that there is a reduction and that again is due to the removal of the COVID feeding program. And then if you look at salary and fringe benefits, you'll see that there's actually a meaningful increase in salary and fringe benefits. A little bit of that is, uh, is cost of living increases for uh, employees or anticipated cost of living increases because uh, the unions that represent uh, all of the DAS employees are in bargaining this spring. So we don't know what the final amount of increases will be, but we made an estimate. Um, and it also includes um, additional staff in IHSS, APS, and the hub eligibility. So that, that's what's sort of in the overarching budget. May we go to the next slide? So this is an this is an expense item that we always focus on because it's fairly big. And in the in the uh, coming fiscal year, we estimate that it will go up fourteen point two million dollars. So the IHSS MOE is the way the city pays for the local share of the IHSS program. And this this goes back to a law that was passed in twenty twelve and has been modified several times by the state legislature. Uh, but suffice it to say, the thing that causes the increase in, well, there's a couple of things that, that always cause the increase in the IHSS MOE. One is there's a 4% annual inflation in the amount paid by a locality for the IHSS MOE. Um, and the second is that when a municipality changes the wages that IHSS uh, workers receive, um, that adjusts the IHSS MOE. And, and, and there is a state and federal share of those additional costs, but the local share also goes up. So as you can see on July, 22nd, July 1st, uh, 2022, the wage will increase to 1875. That is the increase that is uh, required both in the minimum compensation ordinance and in the current contract um, with SEIU, um, the SEIU chapter that represents the IHSS workers. And, um, and so that will go into effect and between inflation and the increased wage, it'll increase our MOE by about $14.2 million. We have two more years of increases written in here, and 
Um, as you'll see, they're not nice, neat, round numbers ending in zeros or fives, as they all have before for the past several years. And so what, what the MCO and the contract uh, both call for is in uh, the year after the end of the contract going forward, uh, wages will grow by the, uh, by the consumer price index. And so this is our estimate at this moment in time of what wages will grow by the consumer price index. So this is also an area where we have to renegotiate a contract. will happen over the next fiscal year. And so the, the wages that, um, that you see in future presentations may not be these wages. Keep it here. Wages. Oh, okay. So. okay, I'm going into my room. They may be wages that come out of the negotiation process. All right, may we go to the next slide? I am going to turn this over to Kelly now to talk about some of the specific, most significant proposals that we have in, uh, in this presentation and, uh, and the few that we're just talking about. And then, um, uh, Kelly and I and the budget team will be available to answer questions. Thank you, Dan. Okay, just um, I just have a few slides for you. So in terms of the Dignity Fund, as you know, the community needs assessment is underway with the draft report to be published in published on April 1st. This will inform the services and allocation plan, which will be completed next fiscal year guiding how we determine services and funding for the following four years. Allocations for fiscal year 2022 and 23 are currently in the planning stages. Next slide, please. So on January 1st, the age for presumptive eligibility for APS services was changed from 65 to 60. Um, the new ongoing funding from the state is aimed at supporting this age expansion. And DOS is projecting that we could receive an additional 1,200 new reports every year as a result. And on average, we currently receive about, we receive and respond to over 7,000 reports annually. The state is also requiring counties to provide longer term case management for cases that are complex. In order to support the additional workload that will result from this expansion, we have requested 16 new positions. Most of the new positions that have been requested will be case-carrying APS social workers who are on the front lines responding to situations of abuse, neglect, exploitation, and self-neglect. We've also asked for additional human services technicians. Their role is to provide tangible assistance to APS clients, such as transporting and accompanying the clients to medical appointments or purchasing emergency food, medication, or other supplies. Lastly, we've requested new administrative staff to support the program expansion, as well as a second section manager who is necessitated to maintain an appropriate span of control that is resulting from the broader staffing growth. Next slide, please. Um, San Francisco was one of 25 counties that the California Department of Social Services selected back in 2019 to participate in the original home safe pilot. 
through our pilot, APS collaborated with the Institute on Aging to provide tailored client-centered intensive case management to over 70 individuals who were either at risk of homelessness or who were, or who were currently experiencing homelessness. We're really pleased that the state has continued and expanded the home safe program until at least 2024. The additional 3.4 million in funding that we have received will be utilized to increase the number of individuals who are receiving services from APS and the Institute on Aging. In addition to intensive case management, we'll be assisting individuals who require a supported care environment to transition from shelter in place hotels, permanent supportive housing sites, or congregate shelters into an assisted living facility. HomeSafe funding will be utilized for ongoing patches to support the placement. We've already started to partner with DPH and, and um, HSH, and we're actively working with clients. Next slide. Um, IHSS is a critical entitlement program that can help stabilize formerly homeless individuals who are transi transitioning into permanent supportive housing. In order to better support the shelter-in-place rehousing effort, we have developed a pilot program that is already underway and is currently staffed by seven social workers who are responsible for connecting individuals in permanent supportive housing and congregate shelters to IHSS services. Staff will be assigned to specific permanent supportive housing and shelter sites in close collaboration with HSH and DPH. Pilot social workers will manage a smaller caseload of clients, allowing for more intensive services. Next slide, please. So we are requesting new staff for our IHSS program to manage current and future growth in the program. The overall caseload has grown by almost 8% in the past two years, and we are currently serving 24,500 individuals and their providers. We anticipate future growth due to the aging of the population, as well as the state's efforts to expand access to Medi-Cal individuals who are undocumented. Current caseloads are reaching a level that is difficult for our social workers to manage. We're struggling to maintain compliance with the program requirements that are set by the Department of Social Services. And more importantly, we are struggling to maintain the high quality client services that we must provide. The majority of the new positions that we have requested are for staff who will be case carrying social workers. These positions are partially backed by federal and state revenue. And we believe this is an important and sound investment. Uh, okay, I think I want the next slide. Yeah, great. Fast nutrition. As we know, food insecurity was exacerbated during the pandemic, and the need for support remains above pre-pandemic levels. The two million dollars in refunding will allow us to continue to support these clients. And I think the next slide is for you, Dan. Thanks, Kelly. So just to review the timeline, obviously. Um, we are here at the second DAS uh, commission meeting. The uh, budget staff will take um, this proposal and the DHS proposal and the pro proposal from HSA admin, and they will put them together and bundle them as DHSA 
uh, budget and we'll be submitting that on February 22nd. Um, and then uh, obviously we will have lots of discussion with the mayor's office over the next several months about the form of the budget and ultimately the mayor will propose her budget on June 1st. It'll go to the board. The board will start scheduling hearings um, and then we will have a budget um, typically passed uh, around the middle of July. So that's the schedule going forward. As I said before, we are available to answer any questions. Yeah, th thank you uh, so much, Mr. Kaplan and all of your staff for putting this together. I know it is an, a, a lot of people that, that work on this. So we really appreciate all that work and Executive Director Dearman, uh, thank you for the uh, explanation. Do uh, do we have any questions or comments from uh, commissioners on the budget? Uh, Commissioner Jung. Um, okay, I just have one minor question and just some overall comments. Uh, my minor question is uh, directed to Executive Director Dearman. Um, in your memo, your budget memo, um, uh, under new staffing to address caseload growth. Uh, this would be under uh, in-home support services. Um, there's mention, um, just my, for my own uh, clarification, uh, just stated that um, the state has directed DOS that uh, IHSS programs must keep eligible clients enrolled in the program with up-to-date assessments, whether or not the client are actively working with a provider and receiving services, as opposed to disenrolling the clients um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I'm going to ask Jill uh, Nielsen, who can respond more um, clearly. Yeah, uh, Jill. thanks so much for your question. Um, and so the uh, a few years ago, um, we had a visit from the Department of Social Services. Um, they come every year. And during one particular visit when they were doing uh, their audit of our practices, they let us know that we had um, unfortunately not been following state guidance around terminating cases. And what the state actually um, asked us to do is um, if, if an individual would like to remain on the IHSS um, program, they have the ability to do so even if they haven't actually accessed their benefit, even if they haven't, if they don't have a provider, they're not submitting timesheets, et cetera. Um, and it's really the role of our social workers um, to be reaching out to those clients, making sure that they have all of the information that they need to connect them, um, the, the clients to, to a new provider that they understand how to use the program. Um, and we actually just completed some analysis um, to learn more about those individuals who are not accessing, currently accessing the, you know, th this really important entitlement program. Um, we are committed to doing all we can to, to helping those individuals to utilize the, the IHSS program and um, help and find a provider. But, you know, there's big challenges in terms of um, finding providers right now, shortage of home care workers, um, not just in San Francisco, but probably nationally, really. Okay, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Thank All you. Right. Um, as far as just overall comments in the budget, um, Budget Director Clapham, uh, thank you again for an excellent presentation. 
um, your uh, introduction of the budget instructions and um, last month really helped set the stage. Um, as far as the details you presented today, it, it certainly uh, looks looks well in line to me. Um, you know, we talked you, you talked briefly last year deficit. Now this year, because of increased revenue and we're coming out of COVID nineteen, and there's no cuts. Uh, in fact, um, there's a need for increased services, and therefore need uh, there's revenues to support. Uh, for the increased services and um, program as well established and supported why there's a need for increased um, because of increased services, increased staffing. It all really looks excellent to me, well thought out, well planned. Um, it certainly is in line with the DOS action plan um, in terms of uh, in-home support services, permanent support, support housing collaborating with the Department of Homeless and Support Housing, the Home Safe Program, the APS expansion for the younger age, 60 to 64. Um, and good to know that Dignity Fund will be able to get their, their uh, uh, mandated uh, allocation because the funding supports that. So it looks really excellent to me. Um, it's just an excellent analysis. You have an excellent team that works that has done a lot of work, obviously done a lot of work behind this, um, very thoughtful, um, very thorough projections, um, fully supportive. So I think it's an excellent budget plan. Thank you for the work. Thank you, Commissioner. Hey, any, thank you, uh, Commissioner Jung, for that comprehensive analysis as well. Um, any other comments or questions from commissioners on the budget? I just wanted to get my thing. Thanks. And um, it's amazing to see all the work that's being done and will continue to be done. And I'm really proud to be part of this commission. Okay, th thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Any other commissioner comments on the budget? Again, I just want to echo, I think, for all of us, how proud we are. Uh, we handled the nutrition challenges that faced us during the COVID, could not have been a more important challenge. And now uh, we've been, because of the confidence, I think, in our department, have been tasked with additional responsibilities around homeless issues and, uh, and the mental health issues and also protecting our most vulnerable uh, people through the APS program. So I'm just really proud of, of the work that the staff does to have the mayor's office uh, offering to, to help us fund those programs. And I understand the increased responsibility that goes with that increased funding. So um, I think uh, we'll just go ahead if we don't have any other commissioner comments, uh, if we could have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item A. If we could call that, uh, Mr. Secretary. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item A. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Uh, moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Okay, thank okay. you. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item A? Um, okay, I think, I think, 
we have a motion from Commissioner Bittner, I'll recognize in a second from Commissioner Sklar, um, and hands from other commissioners who are <laughs> indicating their <laughs> approval. So thank you for that. Um, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item A? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Do we lose uh, Vice President Spears? I might have, I think she was appearing. But... Can we go ahead? I think we have a quorum for passing. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes, I just noticed on chat that Vice President Spear uh, voted yes. Okay. okay. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. yes. Commissioner Bar Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And we have a unanimous vote. All right, even votes by chat, which I think is legally sufficient. So uh, thank you so much. Um, um, yes. Uh, Mr. President, I do have a, I was informed on the consent agenda item right before we started item A, that we were supposed to do a vote on that. All right. Um, so let's, let's have you do a roll call vote, if you would, Mr. Secretary, on that consent item. Okay. On the consent item, President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Take a look in the chat. Commissioner Sasha Brittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Lesclar, how do you vote? Yes. Okay, we have a unanimous decision. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, then we will, uh, congratulations on uh, passing our, moving, moving our budget along <laughs> to all of those involved. And let's um, move on to the next order of business, which is item B and requires Excuse a vote me. by the commission. Yes. Excuse me, President Knudsen. There sure. were, um, uh, during, when we called for public comment, there were two, uh, prior to the budget, but in the general public comment, there were two people who had their hands raised that the moderator did not see. And so it's, we do need to allow them to make their public comments, I believe, at some point. Okay, we, we could do that now if we'd like, or rather than hold them up if they wanted to do that. We could call, that. this is just general public comment or public? Yes. Okay. General public comment. Okay, so why don't we go ahead with that? And, and I apologize for not, not having them speak before, but let's go ahead if they're available right now. So moderator, if they're available right now, can they can you open the line so they can speak? President Knudsen and um, Executive Director Dearman, um, there were there are, there's two callers in the line. One is Commissioner Scalar, and the uh, there's one other caller, but they haven't raised their hand at all. Do I just unmute them? And oh yeah, let's unmute them and see if everyone speaks. Okay, sounds good. You can take me off because that was me trying to get back on the line. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so. 
Excuse me, Commissioner, if I may speak, I am going back and forth with them and also working with Ravi. They have been there. They may be on a different line. So if you don't mind, I will try and continue to figure it out in the background. And if we can, if we can get them there, I will, I will let you know. Okay. So, excellent. Thank you so much for that, um, Ms. Kaufman. Um, so I am going to uh, get back to our next order of business, which is agenda item B and requires a vote by the commission, which is requesting authorization to revise a sole source waiver and to modify page six of an existing contract agreement with Excel Soft Partners, LLC, Excel Soft, for the provision of access to registration enrollment video appointment, REVA, during the period of July 1st, 2022 through July 30th, 2025, in the additional amount of $44,676 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $91,906. And this will be presented by Chun Yin Ma, who I know is has been participating. I see him. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh... Yes. Thank you, President. Thank you, uh, Commissioner, and thank you, uh, Executive Director uh, Dirk Dierman. So my name is uh, Chen Yen Law, and I am the Acting Director of In-Home Support Service. Uh, as you know, because Krista right now is at the Lincoln Center, so she's there, so I'm acting at this moment. Uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, Happy Lunar New Year and Kung uh, Hei to everyone. And I was really happy when you, uh, uh, Employee of the Month, uh, he Su Diaz, because uh, back in the day, we used to see when we were IJ social worker, we used to uh, see uh, see each 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 uh, sorry see each uh, sorry see each okay we see each other next to the each other and so uh, sorry I'm I guess I'm a little bit nervous <laughs> so so um so I'm happy that he's uh he's uh he's uh, uh yeah presented today so uh it's my first time presenting today so I'm, I'm a little bit nervous but uh, I'll do my best. Uh, I'm present. I'm happy to present to you the contract, of, uh, important contract, of the uh, for independent provider orientation process. Uh, the present uh, the item present before you are the reservation uh, enrollment video appointment system or Viva. We facilitate a large portion of the enrollment process for nearly 600, uh, 600 independent provider. Uh, a month for our uh, Independent Provider Assistance Center, or IPAC, IPAC. And uh, we have been using this Reva system since 2012. And this new contract with ExcelSoft have, uh, is for July 1st, 2022, to June 30th, 2025. And the amount is $87,439, and the 10% contingency for a total amount not exceeding $91,906. So for individual for uh, order for individual to be paid to provide service to com uh, consumer IHSS, they must complete a state mandatory enrollment process. So this Reva system assists IHSS in streamlining each piece of this process. So there's three bullet points. First is that allowing IP provider to access the system on the website 24 hours, seven days a week to enter the information, the personal information and watch state mandatory video and schedule an orientation with our IHSS IPAC staff. And second, it also act as a secure document storage for scanning ID and social security card, as well as 
uh, e-signature for state mandate form. And lastly, at the end of the orientation, it print out live scan form, which is fingerprint form, to complete their mandatory background check. So IHSS have been extremely pleased with this system, uh, as with its uh, service level, with the security level, and not only do we use this system in, uh, in San Francisco, it all, a lot of county throughout the state of California also use this system, and um, it's very responsive with the, with change and state change. So right now, IHSS is uh, requesting your approval for this contract with ExcelSoft for Reva system. And I'm happy to answer any question that you have. Okay, thank you, Mr. Law. And for a first presentation, you did excellently. So thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No, it's hard. I understand. Um, do we have any comments or questions from the commission on this? Commissioner? Yes. Uh, Commissioner being Squire. one of the um, being one of the people that is disabled and aging and using technology, is, are these technology things being checked with seniors to see if they can use them? Um, I've run into it constantly in the last six months that they decide to change the font or they decide to change the color of the ink and then a person with visual impairment can't see it anymore. And um, we're doing so much with technology and I'm so thrilled that we are because it's so good. But I'm curious as to how user-friendly it, it really is for the populations that are gonna use it. Thank you for your question. So the good news about this is that uh, this review system is for our uh, IHSS provider. So our IHSS right. recipient doesn't need to go into the system. And okay. uh, we all, um, we're always looking into improving the system. We meet with the Reva system uh, on a, quarterly basis to see if there's any improvement that we need to make. And uh, if we notice there's any issue, we always tell Weva about this and they're really, really good with uh, improving the system to make it always uh, user-friendly. Uh, for example, right. we did the e-signature uh, uh, almost half a year ago because uh, due to COVID, it's really hard for a provider to come to our office to sign paperwork and uh, to make it as contactless as possible. But of course, if there's any issue, we have a hotline that they can call and we are happy to, to make appointment with them to come in to office by appointment and we help them one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, great, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, any other questions? Okay, uh, Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item B. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, uh, we have the same two callers uh, from earlier. They had their hands raised, but then they've removed their hands. So I wasn't too sure if I should go ahead and patch them in or because their hands are no longer raised. That's why. I believe no callers in the queue. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. All right, then I'm gonna go with, we will close public comment. Is there a motion uh, to approve item B from commissioners? Okay. Like from uh, moved by Commissioner Jung, we have a second. Uh, from Commissioner Lum, thank you. Um, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item B? Uh, I was also just informed there was there's a hand raised now. Okay. Moderator, 
Do yeah. we see that? Mr. Secretary, yes, I do. I will be transferring the call now. Great. Caller, your three minutes begin now. Thank you so much. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman, and the public. Uh, my name is Cecile Puretz, and I'm actually uh, responding to public comment from the first section. Um, I wanted to take a few minutes um, this morning to discuss the importance of digital equity, specifically for older people, uh, older adults and people with disabilities. Um, I was a project manager for the Empowered San Francisco Technology Needs Assessment with support from Thriving in Place and the Department of Disability and Aging Service. And the purpose behind this needs assessment was to really understand the technology barriers and needs of San Francisco residents with disabilities and older adults during the pandemic. Our community outreach resulted in reaching more than 1,500 stakeholders um, and 70% of our survey respondents identified as black, indigenous, and people of color. So the research findings show us that digital inequality continues to be a very persistent problem in San Francisco that disproportionately impacts people with disabilities and older adults. When we looked um, at our data, we found that a majority, 64%, reported that technology was a barrier to receiving critical services during the pandemic. We also found that over half, 53%, reported the need for assistive or adaptive technology. And lastly, 57% reported missing medical appointments due to barriers to telehealth. We believe that this needs to change and as part of the community living campaign, Keep Us Connected, we are really um, seeking support to move the needle on these important issues and looking to expand the budget for digital equity. And we welcome the opportunity to present more of these findings and policy recommendations to city agencies. Um, thank you for your time and we hope to have your support um, in expanding this critical issue. Thank you, caller. Yes, th thank you um, as well. I think we had moved uh, item B, so we're ready for the roll call vote. Oh, President Knudsen? Yes. We actually have one more public call, uh, oh, comment. Please, then go ahead. That's fine. Right. Thank you. Hello, caller. Your three minutes begin now. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to have gotten in. This is Marie Jobling, and um, I know we're kind of out of order here, but we, we had wanted to make sure we didn't leave this meeting without saying a few words. So good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman, and those in Zoom attendance today. Uh, Marie Jobling here representing the Dignity Fund Coalition, and we're here today to be sure that today and every day until the city budget is passed, we accelerate our efforts to bridge the digital divide. Um, as you heard from Cecile, lead author of the Empower San Francisco Technology Needs Assessment, which is an excellent in-depth look at how the digital divide is impacting our citizens who are older adults and adults with disabilities of all ages. Um, I want to acknowledge the support from DOS and Thrive in Place to help bring this crucial assessment to completion and to enable us to take it on the road with policymakers and the broader community in partnership with the SF. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if I can keep talking, so I will. We are fortunate to have such a well-researched report on the needs and recommendations uh, that can serve as a foundation, a strong foundation for planning and advocacy. But the next step is money to address these needs with urgency and a mind towards equity today and over the next six months. We are launching the Keep Us Connected campaign 2022, the pandemic edition, as we call it, working through the Dignity Fund Coalition to bring together a substantial ask to the mayor and the supervisors, joined by Case and our other partners. And we will hope you will help us in any way you can. We also know this is not just a DOS issue, it's a city issue. So help us take the needs assessment on the road to other city leaders who can help. Uh, and I, I'm so glad that Cecile was more technically savvy than I to be able to get in here today. Thank you all. Thank you, caller. Okay, and thank, thank you for the public comments today. We appreciate that. Um, then returning to our agenda, uh, we had a motion uh, to approve item B by Commissioner Jung and seconded by Commissioner Lum. So Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item B? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Brittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. Was it a unanimous vote? Okay, thank you so much. Congratulations for that. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item C and also requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Swords to Plowshares for the provision of providing access and empowerment services for veterans at the War Memorial Veterans Building during the period of February 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024 in the amount of $362,500 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $398,750. And Hannah Blanton will be presenting this item and I see Ms. Blanton, uh, so welcome. <laughs> good morning, good morning commissioners. Or well, good afternoon, just clock struck 12. Um, good morning commissioners and executive director Dearman. My name is Hannah Blanton, program analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. Here today seeking your approval for a new grant agreement with SWORDS to Plowshares to provide access and empowerment services to older adults and adults with disabilities that are veterans. While San Francisco provides a rich array of services for veterans who are older and disabled adults, we are working to make sure that these services are known and accessible to the clients that need them. Veterans in need of services may be unaware of the extent of available services, confused about the variety of options, and or unsure of how to access their desired services. To address these concerns, our access and empowerment services program will be providing uh, awareness of services and facilitate service connection. They'll also provide advocacy and support and empower on behalf of clients. This grant agreement will not only be an expansion of our veteran-centered offerings, it will also be an opportunity to revitalize the Veterans War Memorial Building as a centralized location for veteran services. With the County Veterans Service Office also slated to utilize this location as an outpost, 
in coordination with our friends at the CVSO, we are working together to create a productive space for veterans to access services and feel supported within their community. Thank you for your consideration. I'm available for any questions you may have. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ms. Blanton. Do we have any comments or questions from commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Lum. Yeah, just a comment. Uh, uh, being uh, having me involved with uh, 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 opening the uh, the space at the veteran building for the utilization of veterans, uh, in, in in particular, source of plowshare. I'm well aware of the program that the source and plowshares uh, have been involved with, and, and the great work that they have done. And I, I would just like to uh, uh, encourage the rest of the commissioner to approve this uh, resolution. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, do you want to have the honor uh, moving the motion then? Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I might be a little ahead of myself before we do that. <laughs> I think you have to call for public comment. Um, any other, uh, but before we do that, are there any other questions from commissioners or comments? Okay. Um, then do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item C? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item C. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Do we have any callers in the queue, moderator? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. All right, and hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item C? I motion. Thank you. From Commissioner Lum in a second. Spears. Uh, from uh, Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item C? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. <laughs> Commissioner Sasha Brittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. It's a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you so much. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item D and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant with Ingleside Community Center for the provision of digital learning training for the time period of February 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2023 for a total amount not to exceed $68,902 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $75,792. And Fanny Lapitan will present this item and I see Ms. Lapitan, so welcome. Thank you. Good mo good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. Um, I'm Fanny Lapitan, Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships. Um, again, we're requesting for your approval to enter into a new contract agreement with um, Ingleside Community Center uh, so that they can provide digital literacy awareness uh, through training and also provide access to tech devices uh, through a loaner program um, for older adults and adults with disabilities in San Francisco. Um, the, the Ingleside Community Center is located at 1345 Ocean Avenue. Um, they serve low-income youth and families in District 7 as well as neighboring districts. 
the center currently provides a number of programs and services uh, that include um, enriching activities. They have a food pantry. They do field trips, art programs, events. Uh, but really, the past few months, they, they've seen demand from uh, the seniors at Angleside for technology training and a need to access devices and um, have that connectivity. Um, the, the contract with DOS will help the center procure devices that will include the tablets, um, laptops to loan out to por uh, participants, uh, but will also um, allow them to uh, update their computers uh, to be used in their computer lab at the center. They will also hire a qualified instructor to provide the digital literacy training to help participants become familiar with the use of the devices really learn how to navigate the internet for needed resources, um, learn how to use video conferencing, how to use social media or set up email to be able to connect with their friends or family. Um, the training sessions will be offered weekly and the program will continue to uh, evaluate what other training uh, trainings the participants would be interested in to meet their needs. Uh, but really the goal of the program is to enable those participants um, to communicate and connect with their peers and family through the use of technology and to help them become more proficient and independent in using these devices. Um, the center will provide technical assistance to participants when needed. Um, and then the training will be made available also in other languages um, as, as participants need it. And um, the trainings right now are planned to be provided in person, but the center will be following public and uh, public health safety precautions and guidelines to make sure that both the staff and participants are safe. Um, so this is a really a, a new program that we're supporting and we're hoping to get your uh, approval and, um, you know, with us partnering with Angleside Community Center, um, I'd be happy to answer any question you may have right now. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, are there any comments or questions from the commissioners? Um, Commissioner I just wanted to thank the excited about it and it's in my neighborhood so looking forward to it yeah it is a it is a new location for those services right that is correct yeah. um yeah that is correct uh we currently don't have um uh, a program at the Ingleside Community Center, although they do provide the food pantry um, uh, there. Um, but yeah, this would be a new location and um, a much needed, much needed lo location and services there in, in D7 and the neighboring district. Mm -hmm. And uh, Commissioner John, did you have a question? Um, yes, I do. Um, I noticed just a uh, question regarding process. I noticed that the bid was put out in May of 2021, and um, the now it's being presented in February. I was just wondering why there was this long delay in terms of the uh, uh, grant process. Yeah, um, this went through um, a process uh, that contracts our contracts um, office led. Um, so I'm not sure. I can't really explain what the delay would have been. Um, perhaps somebody from contracts, I see Anise might have a, better, uh, a good answer to that delay. Hi everyone, good afternoon commissioners. Uh, my name is Anise Lacevito. I am the contract manager on uh, that's working with Fannie on this. So it's kind of actually hard to say what happened. We uh, issued the um, informal bid in May and then it just took a really long time for us to to get it to commission. 
Uh, there was a little bit of delays in us um, connecting with Ingleside as far as to uh, just to speak with them to get the negotiations going. Um, and then because they're a new provider, we really had to work with them to get the budget and the scope and things like that. So we had tried to get this to you guys sooner. Um, it's just that there were things that, you know, we were hoping for really December and then we missed it because we couldn't get the, like, the budget set up how we needed it to be to present it to you. So it just, unfortunately, it pushed its way all the way to February. Um, so that's kind of the reason, mainly because again, their new providers working with us, their first time with, with HSA and Dawes. Uh, so <laughs> we have a lot of requirements. Uh, so just kind of getting them on board and um, that, that's basically it. Okay, thank you. Um, I was also wondering, um, there's no question regarding the need of services in terms of uh, uh, addressing, as you know, we've heard testimony earlier, digital divide. I'm just wondering is, um, you know, I don't have the large scope of, you know, who's doing what, but is there um, any other type of service uh, for seniors and, and persons with disability um, in uh, this area or, or is Ingleside Communities then like the first to kind of provide a service for seniors and people with disabilities? Uh, that is a, a very good question, Commissioner. We do have other services in D7, um, though it's one of the one of the districts that we do um, know that you know would benefit from an expansion of services and increase in services. But we have other um, community service programs or centers uh, through YMCA in the area, um, other food pantries, intergenerational programs. Um, uh, so there are some. Um, in D7, but they're very spread out. And uh, really, I think the, the Ingleside Community Center will benefit more of the the, uh, the the residents who are close there, people who go to church in that area, and people whose uh, families actually participate in Ingle, Ingleside Community Center activities as well. Okay, great. Thank you. I just want to just be sensitive to the fact that we don't want to be Actually, that we want to uh, coordinate services and not be overlapping in terms of what we're doing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Lum. Yeah, just to uh, follow follow up on that, uh, are there any plans, uh, future plans to centralize services rather than having overlapping services all over the district? Um, I, I, I guess that I, I mean, that's a great question. Um, were you, were you asking about centralizing services in, in terms of like technology programs that we have, because we, we do have, you know, community, uh, community, uh, uh, senior community centers all throughout the city, but also in D D7. So if it's the technology, I think, um, really what we want to do is we, you know, we have DOS as a, um, in the hub as the centralized um, uh, space for the information to know where to go to, but we want to make sure that these services are available throughout the city um, and are easily accessible to, to, um, to our target population, as opposed to just, you know, having just one place for them to go. Um, we want to make sure that they're accessible and they're 
they're um, they're available to them, whichever neighborhood they might be in. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, any other questions or comments from commissioners? Then is there anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item D. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item D from commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Bittner has moved. A second. Clark. Uh, from Commissioner Sklar, thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item D? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Brittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. It's a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you so much, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item E and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Community Living Campaign for the provision of ReServe CRSF employment services for older adults and adults with disabilities during the period of February 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $557,862 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $3,391,483. And Fanny Lapitan? No. Actually, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Melissa McGee. Yes. Okay, I Sorry, see you. An error on the agenda. We apologize. No problem um, at all. Uh, please go you. ahead, Ms. McGee. Okay. Yes. Um, okay, good afternoon. Uh, President Knudsen, Commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm a Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships at DOS. I'm here today to ask your approval for a budget modification with Community Living Campaign for the provision of ReServe Work Matters Employment Program. CLC's ReServe Program is the local model of a nationally known employment model that seeks to develop opportunities for older adults and adults with disabilities in the workplace. The program provides part-time employment in nonprofit organizations and small businesses, utilizing the participants' unique experience and skills. The research program educates employers on developing part-time work and project-based assignments. It recruits, screens, and places participants in these employment opportunities and also provides job readiness training. CLC ReServe takes the lead in coordinating a monthly meeting with partners to discuss coordination and collaboration of components of the program. This budget modification will allow ReServe to increase its potential employment opportunities for older adults and adults with disabilities, thereby better meeting the needs of participants. 
With this modification, Reserve will add an employment opportunity in the area of uh, emergency preparedness, creating part-time positions for job seekers. This effort will include outreach efforts to underrepresented groups in the current Reserve participant uh, portfolio. This, they will also provide benefits counseling under this modification to help participants make informed decisions about employment. Uh, um, important to um, participants who seek part-time work without jeopardizing any benefits that they may be receiving. And in addition, funding will allow for additional work skills development and support to potential participants needing these efforts. Um, CLC has been providing this program since fiscal year 16-17. Monitoring for fiscal year 2021 was conducted in May 2021. Uh, the program's in compliance with contract terms. Um, I request your approval to enter into this budget modification contract. Are there any questions? Um, thank you, Ms. McGee. Are there any questions from commissioners on this item? Hearing, seeing none, uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item E? Or Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. We will allow some time to callers to submit their request. <clears throat> do we have any callers in the queue, moderator? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve agenda item E? I move. Second. From, from Commissioner Bittner and a second from Vice President Spears. Um, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take the roll call to approve item E? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. <clears throat> Commissioner Sasha Brittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Scar, how do you vote? Yes. That's a unanimous vote. Okay, thank, thank you so much, Commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item F and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Conard House Inc. for the provision of SF Connected Program during the period of February 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $138,000 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $470,217. And... I do. We do have Ms. Lapitan here for that presentation. Yes, that Thank is you. correct. Thank you okay. so much. No and again, good afternoon, Commissioners and Executive Director um, Dearman. Um, I I am uh, presenting this one in, uh, for Teresa Bellasteros, who's not able to join us today. Um, we are requesting for your approval to modify our existing SF Connected grant with Conard House uh, to provide additional digital literacy training and support to older adults and adults with disabilities in San Francisco. Um, as you know, the SF Connected program provides tech training, tech support, 
uh, and aims to increase awareness and access to technology and, and bridge that digital divide um, for seniors and people with disabilities. Uh, by helping to increase their digital competencies, the program supports the independence and improves the quality of life of our target populations. Um, Conard House has been one of our SF Connected partners since the inception of the program. And uh, they have multiple SF Connected computer labs uh, that they support in a number of the housing sites. Um, under this modification, the additional funding will allow Conard House to hire a volunteer program manager on a full-time basis uh, to enhance SF Connected services at one of their locations called um, Conard Cafe. Uh, this additional staff will create and oversee a robust volunteer program, build a tablet lending library, and increase uh, tech training and support for consumers in need. Uh, the Connor Cafe is located at 169th Street in San Francisco. Um, it's open Monday through Friday. Um, SF Connected Services are currently provided both virtually and in person, um, but of course all in-person engagement will follow public health safety precautions and guidelines uh, to keep both the staff and participants safe. Um, the increased funding will help Conard uh, serve an additional 73 unduplicated consumers, provide an additional uh, 480 hours of uh, the technology training, and they'll be able to also recruit 20 volunteers on an annual basis to um, support this, this program to help um, provide the training and support as well. Um, uh, again, I, Conard House has been really great in um, uh, providing uh, SF Connected services. Um, and so we hope that you would approve this uh, modification of the contract. Um, I'd be happy to answer any question you have now. Okay, thank you, Ms. Lapitan. Do we have any questions or comments from commissioners on this side? Um, item F. Not seeing or hearing any uh, indications of questions. Um, do we have any uh, public comment? Could we call for public comment, please, Mr. Secretary? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item G. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, great. Hearing no further uh, requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Uh, is there a motion to approve item F? I move. Um, um, from Commissioner Bittner, a second from Commissioner Jung. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item F? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Brittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Lascar, how do you vote? Yes. That's a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you so much, Commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item G and requires a vote by the Commission requesting authorization to enter into a new contract with Corey, Canapari, and Galanis for the provision of housing needs assessment consultant services for the period of February 1st, 2022 through August 31st, 2022 in an amount 
of $150,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $165,000. And Isabel Clater will present this item. Good afternoon, President Knudsen, Vice President Spears, Commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Isabel Clater, and I am a planning analyst with the Human Services Agency Planning Unit. My primary role in the planning unit is to serve as the analytical and project management lead for the senior and disability affordable housing reports that DOS is responsible for preparing annually. I'll share a little additional context about these reports shortly. I am here to ask for your approval to enter into contract with Corey, Kanapari, and Galanis, or CCG, to conduct stakeholder engagement for the 2022 Aging and Disability Affordable Housing Needs Assessment and Production Pipeline Report. As you may recall, in December of 2020, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors adopted legislation to implement new reporting on affordable housing for older adults and people with disabilities. Ordinance 266-20 amends the administrative code to require reporting on housing needs and affordable housing production for this population. Under this legislation, the Department of Disability and Aging Services is tasked with facilitating the development of two new reports in collaboration with the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, the Planning Department, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, and the Mayor's Office on Disability. While our department will coordinate, developing this report is truly a collaborative effort that will pull information and expertise from multiple city departments. DOS released, released the first of these two reports, titled the Senior and Disability Housing Needs Overview Report in October of 2021. This report is available online on the DOS website. DOS will prepare and publish the second of these reports, titled the Senior and Disability Affordable Housing Needs Assessment and Production Pipeline Report by October of 2022, as outlined in the city ordinance. This affordable housing needs assessment will help stakeholder department staff, commissioners, elected officials, community partners, and the general public understand current population trends, identify housing needs, equity concerns and service gaps, and consider recommendations to address these issues. This year will be the first time we develop and publish the affordable housing needs assessment. We will use both quantitative and qualitative data to understand unmet affordable housing needs among older and disabled San Franciscans. Stakeholder engagement will be a critical part of this needs assessment process through which we will gather qualitative data for analysis. Engagement activities will provide diverse community members with opportunities to voice their concerns about and experiences with affordable housing, such as issues related to housing affordability, accessibility, challenges and challenges with existing programs and services. Stakeholder engagement will help us identify affordable housing barriers and service gaps and will help shape recommendations in our final report. Stakeholder engagement is a valuable way to provide the community a voice in this process. The findings from stakeholder engagement will be incorporated in the needs assessment report and published by October 1, 2022. At this point, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Um, thank, thank you very much, Ms. Clater. Do we have any questions or comments from the commissioners on this item? Um, Ms. Commissioner Jung. 
Um, I'm sorry, I, I just need some clarifications um, regarding, there's two reports that, uh, that's, that's gonna be the outcome of this, of the work being done by this group. Is that correct? There will be one report okay. um, that will that will publish um, the work that that this group is being contracted to do. This this report, the needs assessment, is one piece of the legislation that okay. requires this report. Okay, so it's the needs assessment that they really will be. Okay. That's the work that they're going to be doing is helping with the needs assessment. Precisely. Okay, is this? Um, going to be a, a one-time process? Is this going to be an ongoing process in terms of needs assessment? While the needs assessment is legislated to be completed every three years, every three uh, years. Okay. This, this contract is only for this needs assessment, 2022. Okay. So in three years, this process would have to happen again. It may be, the, it may be this group of another group that, that would be taking the lead on it. That's correct. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, great. Any other questions from commissioners? And I was just wondering too, Ms. Clater, as we sort of enter our new uh, chapter in trying to help us solve uh, homeless issues in the city, uh, this will be an important study, I think an important advocacy tool um, for understanding the population. Um, that is faced with homeless, especially in the aging and disabled community. Um, will at least a summary, it, will you be able to share at least a summary or something like that with the commissions, commissioners when it's completed? Absolutely, we would be happy to um, work with Executive Director Dearman to share our findings on the needs assessment when it's complete in October. Okay, great. Thank you so much. We look forward to that. Um, then are there any other questions, comments from other commissioners? Hearing none, um, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item G? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comments on agenda item G. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. And moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item G from commissioners? No move. Okay, I'm going to uh, recognize Commissioner Bittner and, uh, as moving in a second from Commissioner Sklar. Uh, Mr. Secretary, if you could take the roll call on that, please. President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janice Spears, how do you vote? Vice President Spears, I'll come back. Or... Yes. Yes, got it. <laughs> Commissioner <laughs> Sasha Brittner, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Lasclar, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you, it's a unanimous vote. Okay, well, thank you so much. Are there any announcements? Thank you, I second that. Happy Happy Lunar Year, New Year for everyone. Um, and I'm gonna adjourn. 
uh, which may be, may be our last meeting full Zoom, uh, but uh, certainly we will be in some sort of a hybrid next month if, if things go well. So let's hope for the best uh, yeah. and I will adjourn uh, at this meeting. Thank you so much for hanging on by our fingernails as we get through our technology and keep the quorum <laughs> going. Thank you all the commissioners and staff for everything you do to make this happen. So uh, thank you again and thank we'll see you, you next month. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. Look forward uh, to seeing everyone. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay.